0: Hey everybody, this is Lucky Licious and you're, you're ugh. I'm like choking on it. black <laughs> 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 everybody, this is Lucky Luckylicious, and you're listening to Eat My Pagan Ass, a pagan podcast. And I'm here today with a very special guest, a longtime friend of mine. We go way, way back, like millennia, I yep. think, back. Easy. And um, I, was, I was just sitting here talking to him in the beautiful, gorgeous, sunny weather at Sirius Rising in Brushwood Folklore Center in Sherman, New York. And I thought, you know, it's not every day that Lucky finds himself having court with the king of the fairies, and I thought, while I'm doing this, I need to share this with my listeners, because I'm sure there's a listener out there or two who would love to know just who is this fairy king of uh, repute, we won't say ill or good, just repute.
1: I'm notorious.
0: Notorious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, what is he made of? Is it straw? Is it gold? Is it mitrail? Or is it just a lot of chutzpah, a lot of talent, and a whole lot of soul? Oh, and a lot of love. That's that. My personal bet is on that last thing. So, Anyway, to no further ado, it brings me enormous pleasure to welcome Yust, the Fairy King. How are you doing, Yust?
1: I'm doing well. Um, I'm enjoying this festival very much. I am seeing a lot of people, including yourself, that I haven't seen in a long time. Um, as you were talking about that, Um, I was reminded of a young lady at the fire the other night who I've known for a long time and she said, you know, would you tell me the history of the fairy king? Now, um, I am a radical fairy, but actually my role as fairy king doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, Years ago, I was born and raised in Key West and my father took me to the beach for my first drum circle, what could be considered a drum circle then. And there were a bunch of esoteric hippies there who, you know, would go out and have these wonderful fires on the beach once a month. And my father, who was one of the founders of the Navy SEALs, went up to a couple of the hippie mamas when I was about seven years old. And my nickname as a child was fish bait, which was wishful thinking on the part of the adults I was around. They really did want to throw me to the sharks. And if I had a child like me, I would have. But, um... You know, our friendship evolved and I would try to do these events with them, Um, you know. Maybe I was fortunate enough to get three or four with them uh, between seven and about twelve. And as my father uh, would go on trips more and more, I would end up having a neighbor watch after me and she would let me go out to them, so I was doing it on a, a more regular basis. Um, they had a leader who got very sick and the title the original title was not fairy king um, It was elemental king and dealing with the elements and I Honestly didn't take it seriously For a number of years as a matter of fact a couple of decades but when people would introduce me um, in certain circles they would introduce me as the elemental king and In the 80s, ACT UP took the pink triangle, which was a badge of shame that the Nazis had political prisoners wear that happened to be gay. And so I thought about how they had taken a symbol of such negativity and turned it into something positive. And I was thinking one night, because somebody used the term in an an insulting manner, said, oh, you know, just another one of those limp-wristed fairies. And I was like, wait a minute. Fairies are elementals, and I had studied a little bit about elemental magic at that point, and I decided from that point on that it was going to be the fairy king. And it's amusing for years when people would introduce me at different things that I would go to. There was laughter and snickering and all of that. People don't laugh anymore. Um... In my late 30s, I was coming out of a very dark time in my life. I was a hardcore drug addict and you know, I had a lot of self-imposed misery. Um, my background was primarily uh, Buddhism and my mother's Anglo-Catholicism. I went to a uh, Episcopal prep school in Rhode Island, but my father insisted that I, as part of sacred studies, study Buddhism. Uh, When I was in the military, that was on my dog tags, and those pesky born-again Christians would put those chick publications in the sign of the cross on my bunk at night. So I decided to throw them a curveball, and I started doing tarot readings down in the dining area while they were having their Bible study across the way. I am something of a troublemaker. I mean, and I... You? No. Yes. And when when, when, I, when I encounter people that take themselves too seriously, you know, kind of that Loki and Coyote energy comes out of me, and I just have to, like... Mm,
0: there's a lot of that in this podcast, I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I did do a lot of work with the gay community, and in an odd kind of circumstance, I was working a lot um, helping the AIDS community in Boston, and Governor Weld, who's a Republican governor that was elected in the early 90s, had a dinner. Um, He had gone to Groton Prep School, and his best friend was gay. And he was one of those few Republicans that said there's not going to be discrimination against gay people and this administration is going to be about helping that community, helping with the AIDS fight and all of that. So I respected him. I didn't vote for him, but I respected him. I voted for him a second time, though. But anyway, um, at this dinner, I was with Bishop Barbara Harris. I don't know if she's a lesbian, but it was rumored that she was. And I'm thinking... She's African-American, she's lesbian, and she was a businesswoman, and now she's going to be a bishop of the anglo Catholic or Episcopal Church. I'm like, they got all bases covered on that one. Mm. But she was at this dinner, and I'm sitting across from this man who I recognized um, from pictures of the Mattachine Society, and it was Harry Hay and his lover. And he and I got into a discussion, I guess this was like the beginning of the Radical Fairies, One thing I remember that he said to me after we were talking um, for about an hour was, he said, you're a very different kind of fairy, aren't you? And I'm like, I guess so. But I started to um, explore more and more uh, about fey magic, but what ended up happening was I was drawn more and more to shamanism. And I find out that my family, a lot of them left Sweden because they were Sami and they were persecuted, uh, made to burn their drums by the Congregationalists, uh, the same ilk or strain as the ones who caused the Queen of Hawaii to step down and mended them of their wicked pagan ways. But anyway, um, so there was persecution and my family came over in the 1800s to get away from that but uh, it was primarily Congregationalists and Lutherans that were giving um, the Sami a bad day, but I didn't know about this, and my family didn't discuss it, and I, some of the elders recognized, because I studied Yogananda and Self-Realization Fellowship. Um, I was drawn more and more to spirit, especially after... Um, Especially after my my heroin addiction and getting through the recovery of that. And that was in my late 30s. But um, I was just drawn to it in such, at first, a kind of skeptical way. But there was one thing that I noticed along that way. I was like, wait a minute, I haven't taken this this thing seriously. I had had training when I was a child and a lot of different esoteric things. You know the history of pagans uh, you know the persecution of the church and and different ways of working with the elements in magic and so I had had some background in it and I was thinking when I was coming out of this I I needed to get back to my artwork which was poetry Um, I didn't expect it would lead me to where it did which is a pretty wonderful place Um, but anyway so I started doing performance poetry, and I was like, "Wait a minute! A lot of this stuff that I write deals with persecution, oppressed peoples. Um, a lot of it's gay, you know, gay oriented. Uh, some of it is salacious, and you know, some of it is very serious." But
0: we want to hear about the salacious stuff. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Go, ahead. I, Go ahead, Well,
1: okay, there is one uh, for a Valentine uh, poem. I wrote Table for Three, and there is a funny story that goes with it. Um, Table for Three is a Valentine's poem about the position known as the lucky Pierre, and uh, part of it says, with a woman in front and a man from behind, oh, this delicious Valentine. Um, When I was doing it for the first time, I was in uh, the Lizard Lounge in Massachusetts, and there was this big, annoying football player who was half-loaded, And he said to his girlfriend, and I had a directional mic, and he said, is that guy that fairy up there talking about anal sex in a pleasurable way? And I had a directional microphone and I turned it to their table. I just knew something was gonna come. And she said in a low voice, but still detectable by the microphone, the way you like my finger and vibrator up there, you should take notes. And it goes out through the whole club. Everybody heard it through the mic. Fortunately, the bouncers were aware that I could be a bit controversial, and they were there to protect me, and they bounced this guy out of the place. But, you know, I I mean, I, I write about a lot of different things, and I think that, you know, the joy of sexuality is something that people, especially in this country, need to get more comfortable with. Um, you know, my evolving into being celibate for the last couple of years, it didn't have anything to do with, uh, you know, pressure that I was getting from other people. I just realized I was horrible relationship material. When you spend 24 hours of your day that you're awake, um, working on spirit, self-exploration, I mean, certainly working with people in the Gossamer court, Uh, Which is an affiliation of spiritually inspired artists devoted to healing through art Um, You know, so I I have out of all of this has grown a type of of metaphysical healing practice Um, I did some work for a full moon ceremony at Alex Grace Chapel of Sacred Mirrors uh, and that was I believe 2002 2003 and Cosm oddly enough was founded on my birthday so you mm-hmm. used to have a nice little celebration there on their anniversary but uh, the more I started working with Alex Gray and the chapel um, I started collecting a lot of acrobats and poets and musicians and artists and I'm collecting them in this, this, this group.
0: One of the ways that I know you also is through this uh, entity called the Gossamer Court, and um, I would love to hear a little bit more about that. What, what is it, how did it start, and what's its purpose?
1: Well, um, a young friend of mine noticed that I had all of these people in my life from these different art, you know areas, and I was helping them. This is my early understanding of the computer. I was helping people to network, and if I had somebody that needed a cello player for their band, I would look for somebody. Um, you know, at different events that people would would, uh, you know, do uh, everything from full moon drum circles like I was doing at uh, Alex Gray's Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. I had people who do jewelry and stone thing, and they would bring this stuff. And vend at different events that I was doing. Then one year, I was at a festival, and I had all of this wonderful talent together, and acrobats and and fire artists and musicians. And I managed to put everyone together. But uh, Ryan Boel, who is the co-founder of the Gossamer Court, he died at the age of twenty five. And the last year of his life, he helped me, to put in a basic foundation for this. So what we have are a group of artists from different walks, etc. I go to do an event um, that they m- might need a band, they might need dancers or whatever, and I try to, you know, manifest that for them. Um, and the other thing too is I try to encourage people to do events that were about, you know, healing through art. Um, And the artists that are involved in the Gossamer Court, you know, are spiritually inspired. And and they are devoted to healing through art. Um, We have people that identify as members of the Gossamer Court uh, in Asia, in Europe, in Africa, in this country. um, And it's just built through that mixed blessing of the computer.
0: I think I'm technically still a member of the Court Yes, you are. My title's a little dusty, but...
1: Yes, it is. Well, honey, you need to just take that out and, you know, <laughs> shake that dust away. <laughs> But, it's, but you do, um, you know, just uh, when you do rituals, that is artwork. There's no question about it. I'll never forget that wonderful one we threw together for Beltane, the night that my evangelical Christian boyfriend...
0: Boo, eat. hiss, on the boyfriend, <laughs> yeah. and evangelical Christians, too, with, <laughs> yeah. with all tolerance and for the good of all. Boo, hiss!
1: <laughs> well, you know, the boy had a big dick, and he knew how to angle Oh, he sure did. Okay,
0: <laughs> yeah, there was. That was, was my that first night.
1: threesome used. Uh-huh. That was fun. You
0: mean and Peter?
1: That was fun. Oh, he'd love to forget that, but he just can't. And there is evidence, photographic. We have
0: evidence. photos and more.
1: <laughs> but just to to let y'all know, I mean, I'm a spiritual person. But if you're coming at the idea of spiritual from the tribes of Abraham, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, then I guess I fall into the realm of the lower regions of hell. But, uh, you know, I am definitely somebody that believes in in free will, the exercise of it, as long as it's ethical and not with farm animals between two consenting adults, you know, but um,
0: speaking of farm animals, let's get back to Peter and that threesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Cute. Well. The thing is, with with Peter, I, you know, he was... No, a, no, no, no. No, no, I want to say... Oh, that you do? Okay, let's go. He, he was a brilliant artist. He could do fractal collage by hand. Um, and as Ryan was still alive at that point, I was doing a lot of work with him, and I started posting some of Peter's work on my live journal. And he saw that as an opportunity where if we were doing, like, a drum circle or a party... We would have a featured artist, you know, a visual artist. And we might have, uh, you know, somebody that would do performance. Um, a couple times we had acrobats. A lot of times we'd have fire artists. So the thing is that there were, there were things that he was helpful with. Um, but, you know, it just kept growing and growing. Um, and I, I was finding that I really couldn't go to all the places people wanted me to. Um, I lived in Boston when I was there. I did a lot of stuff there and in New York. Um, you know, falling into uh, Alex Gray's world uh, at the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, we had already had this foundation with the Gossamer Court in at that point, and I started bringing artists into the chapel and on events that I was doing there, like Cosm Fire, uh, Ecstatic Voices. So, you know, this was building and building, and... Uh, I, in 2006, had a very serious heart attack and I had been really driving myself, you know, to the edge, putting a lot of this stuff together. And I realized that it was something that I couldn't do myself, you know. So what I started to do is I initiated people and those that um, serve community um, on a partial basis, but, you know, are, are spiritually inspired artists, they end up with the title of princes and princesses, and it's really a degree system. The only ones that wear the big crowns within the Gossamer Court besides myself is Reverend Bonnie, or Queen Bonnie of the Southern Sphere, and she runs a pagan charity in Ohio called Robins Hood Community Center. So, you know, and she basically does the same thing. I mean, now that I'm back out there, we're combining our energies on a lot of different things, and I you know, with, with the Gossamer Court, I mean, we don't have any grants from the government. Um, we raise most of the money ourselves. We do art circles. We have people coming over to make their uh, magical tools, to make instruments uh, out of any number of things. Um,
0: I've often seen emails that you guys send out, like, we're taking donations of just about anything you have. Like, if you have old Screws, nails, rubber bands, glue, ribbons, uh, hair clippings, anything.
1: Beads, bones, feathers, you know. And, I mean, the thing is, people have a lot of this stuff stored in a box somewhere. And I'm like, we could do something with this. And we do. We get the uh, supplies in. Sometimes we'll have art circles. Sometimes we have specific artists that have made a request for this type of paint or... Um, actually, this one girl I was working with made an Ann Taylor suit out of milkbone dog biscuits. That was one of the funnier requests that we had. But she needed the wiring to put these together. And it ended up turning out really cool. But, um, you know, for a lot of people in the pagan community, with the way the economy is, they can't afford to go out and buy a new drum. So we have people that help them, you know, put one together out of recycled stuff. Um, I have one friend, she makes flutes out of carrots, which are kind of funny, but sound great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we, the requests that we make is a long list of stuff, but uh, the idea with the recycling end of the stuff that we do is be as creative as you possibly can. And you don't have to have the amethyst settings in your, your magic wand and all of this. You can uh, very simply make it. We do have people that send us sacred branches. Now, you don't go down cutting down birch trees, but when branches fall, we have people that collect those to make wands. A lot of the druids uh, request his uh, branches to make runes out of.
0: Um, this is coming from someone who has pork chop bones Woven into his cornrows They are not,
1: they are deer bones Okay <laughs> You know Oh yeah, the the bones do get attention <laughs> Somebody asked me What they were from And I said the last person that pissed me off I didn't have room to bury them in my backyard So I wear them in my hair <laughs> Might be Peter in this one
0: <laughs> uh, I hope you saved the good part And have it preserved somewhere <laughs>
1: Yeah, like Napoleon's. (laughs) I understand that it's about hors d'oeuvre size, but (laughs) what can I say? But anyway, um, you know, we do have a lot of fun at these groups. And and some nights, um, like the full moon in the house, we'll have a, a gathering. And we tell people to not just bring their drums and stuff, but we have tables for people to do artwork on. Um, one time we had somebody making incense and teaching people how to do it. Um, you know, and just like any number of things, I mean, it just, it gets so wonderfully creative from time to time. And, uh, what's your, what's your long-term vision for the Gossamer Court? Well, I really... So I started thinking about the application of the computer to doing like our satellite work with other places and setting them up in different states for people to gather there as basically autonomous bodies that get together for different events to create art or maybe go to nursing homes or hospices and work with people. And we have people that do that. Like art therapy? That yeah. Sort of thing? It's, yeah, you know, art therapy or, you know, in the case of the hospice, it's, you know, it, it, the worst thing you can do when you're waiting to die is wait to die while doing nothing, you know, and so...
0: Watching The Price Right.
1: Yeah, exactly, you know. So, um, and the thing is, in one case, this lady was making these really cool um, cards, like greeting cards and stuff, splashing paint, putting magical symbology in them, and, you know, her kids and grandkids love these things. And so she spent that time making things to leave to people, um, you know, a good memory. And so, I mean, it, it be, I see in the long term uh, the Gossamer court being in different regions, probably where they have uh, more of a pagan population, because... While we are spiritually inspired uh, artists, and I don't say no to Christians or anybody else, it's just spiritually inspired, Uh, most Christians wouldn't touch us with a 10-foot pole or two 5-foot Swedes. You know, it's just like that. Or two two roots of the Holy Cross. Exactly. (laughs) Somebody, uh, well, actually, we had a box that came from uh, an abandoned church, and it had rosaries in it and these little glow-in-the-dark crosses and uh, I forget what was made out of the rosary beads but they uh, put the, the collages into this um, cemetery, the um, actual the crosses into this cemetery scene for some goth club's painting. It was pretty, pretty spooky mm. but very cool. Um, mm. But, you know, long term I would like to see more and more places have a local Gossamer court and um, I do have somebody with deep pockets that is, you know, talking to me and has been for the last year. Uh, property. Well, I'm located in Cincinnati, and the property value there is so cheap. I mean, you can get a, a three-bedroom house for between ten and $15,000. Wow. And the thing that I'm looking at right now is a is semi-industrial residential space, and I would like to have it as a Healing Through Arts Center. And it will definitely be the prototype. And I'm hoping that we have more and more of this, not just, you know, for the art end of it, but a gathering place for pagans and, you know, other spiritually uh, inclined people to go and co-create together, to share, uh, you know, moments with. Um, you know, there's, there's just so much potential. Uh, I tried very hard to keep a limited uh, focus on, you know exactly what we were doing, but you get into art, and there are all these different facets. and so I finally just adopted a, a policy of, you know, if it's art, we'll work with it. Um, the thing is, too, which we initiated was a a collection list of artists and different things. So if we have a kid, that wants to learn about wood carving, we have a couple of people. I was just talking to a blacksmith today, and you know, I told him it would be really nice if he could contribute because we've got kids in West Virginia that make all kinds of things using, you know, what was left over from the mines and the Rust Belt, etc. Um, you know, I, I saw some beautiful daggers made out of old railroad spikes. So basically, you know, providing information for people. Uh, we've thought about utilizing Skype so that we can have online classes um, for people, you know, in, in unconventional ways of doing art. Uh, we have a few people that are willing to do that, but, you know, I see it as having so much potential. And I would really like to reach the point where you don't have to send out a mass letter, you know, that a lot of people aren't going to see, asking for supplies and, and, you know, contributions of things we do. I try to keep asking, you know, for actual money down to a minimum. And I, I can honestly say, in the 10 years, 11 years now that we've been around, Um, I've only put out those requests like three or four times. It was for specific events. Mostly what we need are the materials to do it with. Um, But if we get everything together for the Healing Through Arts Center, we do have somebody that uh, will put in the money for the property, but we will be responsible for the taxes and the upkeep. But, you know, it's primarily we're just uh, about healing through art, sharing knowledge, uh, networking, um, helping people learn how to uh, arise in their various discipline, you know. And also, you know, you, you get people like one guy's been a painter for a long time. He's doing bronze castings and stuff like that now um and it's just so cool he is taking it a step further this is before he became a part of the gossamer court and he actually would make these earth kilns at festivals and people would make the clay from what was there and fire their pottery like you know the the most primitive way possible um so you know there's there is i'm really excited about a lot of the stuff that's going on and I got Skype because several of my kids are scattered throughout the world right now, four continents and two islands, and it's nice to be able to make sure that they don't look ridden hard and put up wet from drinking too much or partying, and, you know, that they're getting some fulfillment uh, over there. And also, um, it's kind of cool having the medium of video, uh, which, you know, a lot of people have, so other people can see what they're doing in these places. So it's just now a matter of consolidation. Um, my cousin Xander passed away a few years ago and he handled like a lot of the financial stuff and I really miss him. Um, he was very good at you know getting those things together and unfortunately before he passed, he wasn't able to get the grant. Um, and so we, uh, we do go under the Robinson Community Center which is a not-for-profit. Um, and so all of the funds are um, accounted for for when we do, uh, like, we have to rent a place. Um, in you know, a couple of places, we've had to rent, like, church basements for the drum circles and stuff. But where I am in Cincinnati, it's it's cool because we have a lot of friends that have space in their homes that we can go and, and do this stuff at. So, um, but... You know, uh, we are on uh, Facebook. It's under the Gossamer Court, uh, three words. And uh, what's your <clears throat> what's your Skype address? My Skype address. As- hey, my Skype address is His Serene Highness One, all small letters, one word.
0: The number one. Yes, yeah.
1: the number one.
0: His Serene Highness One. Yeah. Fabulous. Uh, you know, something that I hear you talk a lot about, too, is this whole concept of indigo. And I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on what indigo is and what it means to our reality.
1: Well, you know, I've, I've told people uh, when I was trying to explore why I was such a freak, there were a lot of ways that I thought differently than other people. Um, if you take the whole angelic hocus pocus out of it, um, indigos are basically people that think differently, um, and there's just so many, they're very spiritual by nature and we are, um, you have, uh, a lot of artists. Um, it's interesting some of the parallels with like ADHD and stuff like that, but, if you just look at it, like every 10,000 years, the human race goes through some sort of mutation, it could be that. Um, but most of us definitely are in keeping with this idea of um, coming from a different place. The, the souls, uh, you know, through the universe come from different place. They used to call it indigo star children. Um, There is no question about it. With our aptitude for sacred geometry, I mean, we have one kid that composes music using it. Um, These are very gifted people, and and the thing is, children are being born in mass right now. Uh, They tend to take healing paths, as I have. Um, They are very artistic and spiritual by nature. We get along with open-minded spiritual people, but when it comes to the mundane world, it's really hard for a lot of them. Uh, we don't do authority well, um, but it's it's definitely it's not a philosophy. It's a nature. It's 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 a different type of human nature, and I happen to believe that there's a divine connection. Um, You know, a lot of people are looking to these young healers as part of the uh, building of the New Age. And I happen to be one of them that that is in keeping with that. Um, The things that I've witnessed, not just in the kids, but in myself. I mean, I'll chant around the fire, you know, you have hidden gifts. And and I keep going with that because I want to remind myself that I have and that other people do as well. Um you know, in, in working the alchemical fires that we do, these are co-creative fires. They're sealed esoterically. Um, people are smudged to go in, but you have dancers, you have poets, you have drummers, and everybody is, you know, contributing to the energy of that fire using their various, uh, you know, gifts and, and talents. Um, very few things are ever rehearsed. It's all spontaneous. Um, But the thing is, the indigos are very uh, drawn to that type of fire because it inspires them in other ways. It causes them to create on the spot and to co-create with others. And that's the thing. Um, We are very... um, tribal by nature and you know we do uh, there's no question about it you know we do uh, we are at our best when we are surrounded by our own but the world needs a tremendous amount of help with healing uh, one of the reasons the gossamer court is so popular with indigos is because we're about healing through art um and a lot of these especially with the kids they look into things that they can do to make this world a better place. Uh, Be it, you know, massage therapy or, um, you know, green engineering. Um, We have, you know, a lot of kids that are mathematicians and there is no question about it. There are times when I'm sitting in a room with seven or eight indigos and I just watch in absolute amazement and astonishment at the way they exchange ideas on science and on art, um, I decided because of that that you know we identify as a, a an art group. However, um, a lot of things within science and even mathematics, if you get into sacred geometry and stuff like that, uh, are art too. Um, but. You know, these are are very gifted um, children and uh, young adults, and there are some older indigos. The theory is that the indigo um, personality or indigo nature uh, has made its appearance on this earth a few times. One of the times was during the Renaissance. Um, And, you know, it could be any number of, of things that cause it, but the point is, it's a reality. Uh, you have some Christian groups that have uh, tried to hijack a lot of indigos as the angel children. And when I was first reading this, I was like, oh, that's a mistake. You know, you, to um, chain an indigo to organize religion that dictates to them that they're basically wrong in everything that they do because it's not for the greater good of Jesus Christ and promoting, you know, the name of the, the Lord. Um, it's it's scary. They don't... Do, do, none of us do well in an organized religion. You had those kids in Columbine. I mean, that's the ugly side of it. Those two kids were indigos. And it shows what happens when you, you know, put... A free spirit like an indigo into a pressure cooker Um, it's a very sad thing and you know there are people within various movements that were trying to sidestep the issue I put it out there Um, you know you're talking about angelic personalities and you know the rage of angels is is not a great thing to, to have to encounter but on the positive side of that Um, a lot of the things that are being done you see these kids like doing uh, science projects that they get into national competitions with uh, the art that's being produced out of uh, things from the environment etc a lot of this stuff is done by young indigos and uh, it's it's just a hard thing to explain there's a lot of material out there but it's speculation Um, we do have people that I honestly believe in my heart of hearts do channel uh, that place of origin of their soul and I do at times feel a sense of communion with that energy um, especially as I'm discovering new gifts within myself last night for the first time in my life I was hand drumming double-handed I mean I as a shaman I'm a dancer uh, I do poetry, I do chanting, I do overtone singing, um, work with some percussion, but I had always avoided the drum. Um, part of it is I do have problems with my hands from time to time, and when I would drum and pass, it would be by sticks, but last night, I had like two hours of just pure bliss from that, and I now understand uh, the drummer mentality. As I was sharing with you earlier, it was a little bit awkward for me Uh, when I was in this this beautiful percussion fugue because I wanted to get up and dance and I kept thinking, if I stop drumming, I'm never gonna be able to do this again. Mm -hmm. Um, I I have an aptitude for it. Um, I had done throat singing for a long time. When I was a kid, my cousins and I used to do it. Occasionally when I would go to the Buddhist temple and they would have monks that would overtone. I would participate in that. I've opened up. So I mean, I've written songs in the last couple of years. Um, over the years, I've I've gone from just reciting poetry and reading it to performance poetry with dancers and acrobats and musicians, uh, fire artists. We did one in Rhode Island that uh, was on the river, and they have these fire pots down it. And this is just before uh, a and uh, i was doing some ecstatic poetry and it was very misty on the river with this fire and i could just look down it and see it and my my words were traveling with this and i think we had a harpist and a cellist and it just was beautiful but these are all things artistically that i'm really discovering Uh, that I have a a tremendous aptitude for and you know I just turned 50 last year and so you know when people tell me oh it's too late or I used to do photography I don't do that anymore I'm like it's never too late okay so you don't play a violin like a virtuoso you know very few people do even if they start very young doesn't mean you can't uh, you know play the fiddle and fiddle around a little bit something you know about. Oh. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it really is never too late. Um, and art is a very constructive thing to do. Um, certainly beats watching Fox News, which my mother still does, just so she can parrot it to me and drive me crazy.
0: <laughs> what do you think are uh, some of the biggest challenges of uh Modern neo pagan community in the United States, and what are some of its best qualities?
1: Okay, um, one of the challenges that I see in the pagan community, in particular, and the same could be said for a lot of the hippie communities, um, you don't have unity in the community, and you don't have you have like one or two people they're really busting their ass to put things together, Um, you know, rituals, events, etc. And I learned from my experience in Amish country last uh, November about a group of spiritual people who really get together and take care of one another and they support each other on these events. And, uh, you know, minus the whole Jesus thing, I think that the pagan community could do great, great good by learning about how the Amish interact with one another and how they build community. You know, everybody has their role to fulfill. It's not just with the barn raisings they do where they all get together and put this thing up in a day. And those barns down there are beautiful. I think they're a little witchy too because they use those hexagrams on the barn and yeah. yeah. But I'll let them keep that secret for now, ha. Huh? But um, you know, it, the other thing that now, among young people, I understand that neo-paganism is the fastest growing religion in the world. Um, we have got to be vigilant with the likes of people like Michelle Bachman out there, um, you know, in these
0: Minnesota.
1: Oh, you know I just I, I just want I think that she can't say anything more stupid than she already has. does it and i'm like wondering i I really think that they put something in republican water that the rest of us don't get and i've taken to calling the straight jacket the tea party dinner jacket (laughs) because most of them would fit in that quite well but um we have to be careful there is a movement in this country among evangelicals in particular they want that whole Aussie and Harriet lifestyle. They don't want gay and lesbians to marry. They want to repeal, you know, have it repealed in any state that allows it. Now, um, they're they're really pissed off about don't ask, don't tell. I mean, the list goes on. And people forget there are still states where you can be denied housing. Um, you know, if you're you're a gay couple, never mind domestic partnerships. Um, and I think that in keeping with that, gay, straight or otherwise, um, pagans, especially in heavily Christianized communities, have a lot of problems. Kids are still taken from, like if you have a mixed marriage with a Christian parent and a pagan parent, if there's a divorce and it's brought up in certain courts that one parent is a pagan custody consideration in some places goes right to whether the Christian parent is is the good parent or not Um, you know the the choice is based solely on that Um, I know people within you know the different pagan communities and different gay communities within New York, Boston, Chicago who it's always the same very politically active people Um, like I was at the DC rally for religious freedom Um, And Puck and Gary were down there for that and we had a number of other people that came for that, too But uh, other things that I was doing and this was along the lines of rallies for religious freedom uh, It was the same people Um, You know and and there are little disrespects that go on at pagans for example part of that rally The Veterans Administration would not put on the headstones any pagan symbology. There is like a book with about seven or eight approved things. I could not even get on my father's headstone the Buddhist wheel. Uh, This was back in 75. We fought that. We won. The VA now has to respect that. I mean, the idea of a pagan, you know, in uniform dying for their country and not being able to get the symbol sacred, you know, to them, uh, it's just infuriating. And I'm an honorably discharged, decorated, disabled veteran. I had to put up with all kinds of bullshit in the military just because I had Buddhist on my tags, you know, my dog tags. Um, we really have to be vigilant. I mean, people think that this whole thing of, you know, persecution is over, oh, these Christians are losing a foothold. You know, when times are really tough and the economy is horrible, a lot of people turn to religion or their latent Catholicism kicks in and, you know, oh, my life is not going right so I'm being punished, you know. And so, you know, you get a lot of people going back to um, traditional intolerant religions uh, and it's very scary. I. I do see a danger, I mean, as much as we can all kind of look at people like Michelle Bachman and and Sarah Palin as being lunatics, and and they really are, I was thinking about this, Um, you know, Sarah Palin's bishop, when he was living in Kenya, had people driven out of their homes and villages that would do tarot readings and stuff like that. And of course, you know, I think his name is Thomas Muti. You know, he's, he's praying for her against witchcraft and he's going, make away, make away. And it sounded like Tattoo from Fantasy Island, you know. And I'm listening to this and I wrote about it and I said, you know, she's been blessed against witchcraft. And well, I think it was Lady Hagathorn's throat. She said, you want to try it out and see if it worked. But, uh, you know, seriously, we, we have to be very vigilant about having information out there about ourselves, what we're about, what we're not about, because education is certainly a key part of it. And uh, in this pissing contest that goes on with these Christian groups, um, you know, it it is important to take the high road, but at the same time be assertive and let people know that this is wrong. If you do uh, YouTube videos and people put, you know, this stuff out, respond to it where it says respond to it. You know, I mean, keep an account that's separate from your others. I get so much hate mail on one of mine because I do a lot of YouTube videos that deal with pagan themes and gay themes. And the haters always have to, you know, kick in. So, you know, just keep a a clean account for that type of thing. Don't let them rate you by stars because they have these groups that do this. Um... But I do want to finish the thought on this.
0: So you're talking about YouTube videos? YouTube
1: videos. You can use these to respond. I mean, okay. I do get childish from time to time. I have a picture of a puckered butthole that I will occasionally load up on certain intolerant blogs. (laughs) Just to send the message. You know? (laughs) But Very subtle. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's no mistaking what it is. You know, and, and of course, I have to set up a dummy email account to do that. But um, you know, there is a—I'm very much a prankster. There's no question about that. But um, I think that you know, on a very serious note, um, when these issues come up, uh, you know, there's there's like kind of like a news blackout on on things that are done to pagans. And I think if people, you know, really want to help their community, if they see within their city or town that something is clearly uh, in line with persecution of people because they're pagans be it a custody battle or a, a job thing um, that they expose it you know that that you know you if you don't what ends up happening is there there are all these little subtle tyrannies that come together and they just snowball and so what ends up happening is all of a sudden you've got really discriminatory laws And if people don't believe that can happen, you just have to look at, I think it's Indiana or Illinois, where they've just made it impossible for, you know, women's right to choose, you know, the the clinics with the specifications. Um, You know, these, these, pardon the expression, moral motherfuckers out there that really aren't moral at all uh, are trying to assert their theocracy on this country. And, uh, you know, I will quote Barry Goldwater on this, and I think this applies to Pagans. Um, You know, what happened, and he said this when he saw the Jerry Falwells taking over the Republican Party, he said, if these Preacher Bob types and Jerry Falwells get control, the party will never recover. And what people don't realize is there's a lot of that in the Democratic Party, too. Um, You know, a lot are more um, Beatitude Sermon on the Mount Christians, but they're still, you know, Christians that have very archaic ideas about other religions, etc. And, you know, they've already proven their agenda, but it's very important to be vigilant about responding uh, and exposing. And there are some very gifted young people in our community that do some fantastic videos. And there are times if I see one that will apply where they are speaking about um, a particular brand of of Christian persecution. You know, some pulpit vulture is stirring something up and, uh, you know, kids are being forced in schools to honor, in a public school to honor a dress code that excludes any kind of uh, pagan theme to it. Uh, and that is common. That actually happens uh, right around Cincinnati, where I'm I'm living. And a, f- a friend of mine, she had to go to the school board and, and deal with, you know, this nonsense. Don't let them take your liberty. Don't let them take your freedom. If they start to do it, become, you know, vocal about it and say, hey, this is what's going on. You know? A lot of
0: people would say, you know, well, that's that's politics. And I'm I'm not pagan for politics. I'm pagan for my religion. But. When you have a political climate that attacks you, or a cultural climate that attacks you politically by passing laws, even, even down to the school board level, mm-hmm. what recourse do you have other than to be political?
1: Well, exactly. And, and the thing is, I have tried to steer away from politics as much as possible. But my exception is human rights. And when people's and human and civil rights, when people's human and civil rights are being an
0: animal rights.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> but you know, that honestly, that with me, that goes goes without saying. Um, and and it, that's something not to be taken for granted. And I guess in a way, I do. I mean, I'm very focused on on human and civil rights. I mean, if I find like they had this horrible place um, where they were abusing horses. And it got closed down, but uh, I did help with the exposure on that. But uh, the. I'm sorry, the really
0: gorgeous man that I was telling you about is now walking past us.
1: Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I saw him last night out there, and yeah. I just was like, oh, he's making my panties melt. He made mine melt, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, he is beautiful. He is. He's a fire spinner, too.
0: I know. We See, we break We break for beauty. Yes, we do. Here on Eat My
1: Pagan Ass. I'm one of those those triple Libras. You know, <laughs> it's all about love, beauty, and art. And yes, Libras and Aquarians were astrological blondes. <laughs> you're, you're cooking on the stove and something beautiful passes by and the hand goes into the fire. You know, beauty is distracting in the most delightful way, usually. But, um, you know... There is a lot that needs to be done or you don't have to submerge yourself in the political stink. But if you don't uh, assert yourself to protect your rights, you could lose them. And you know, just because the Bill of Rights says freedom of religion uh, doesn't mean you'll have it forever, especially if these people gain control and they have subtle ways of persecution Uh, you know basically you know you you see it happening here and there the greatest example of that was during the Reagan administration when and actually under George W. Bush um, there was money allotted I think it was to the Department of the Interior millions of dollars for uh, faith based initiatives charities and stuff like that they weren't even giving money to the Catholics and the Jews. It was strictly, you know, money for charity of evangelical uh, organizations where homeless people were forced to pray for their bologna sandwich to Jesus. Um, we had with Robin's Hood a storefront we put 120 people up <coughs> because Christian charities wouldn't let them in if they were drinking. And uh, also, you know, if they didn't pray to Jesus for their bologna sandwich. So in this pagan shelter, we had four... Black How boys. does that prayer go? <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> but maybe I'll have to think of what it might be. <laughs> but um, we had with Robins Hood Community Center in Kentucky, a huge storefront. And we had like up to 120 people. People were uh, freezing to death on the Ohio River, living out there in tents and stuff. Um but it's just really difficult with the Christian shelters, and like I said, we had four black Muslims, and they came to stay with us because you weren't forced to pray to anyone. We had a library, an occult library, and you know uh, we had study room and stuff like that, where people could go and independently research things. But there was there was none of that, and and so just thinking about that example with the Department of the Interior, where only evangelical Christian groups were getting this money. Okay, that is a bias and prejudice policy. And so there's discrimination there. And, you know, you can't always see it. And when I discovered that, this was years ago, when I discovered it, I made sure everybody knew. You know, and that was one where I massively hit congressmen and senators. Uh, you know, it's easy enough to write your congressman if you've got a computer. It really is. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, uh, well... Actually, I wrote Al Franken, and I, on behalf of the people of America, I apologize for whatever it, we did to piss off the congressional district that elected Michelle Bachman so much. And I said, you should just tell them that if they stop voting for her, we'll give them a military base or something. But uh, it blows me away that somebody like that could get elected. But it is Minnesota, you know. But anyway... Um,
0: all right, so that's that's like one of the the challenge the big challenges facing the pagan community. What would you say is one of our our best assets?
1: One of our best assets I think is comes in line with good ethical standards and ethical behavior. You have you know, of course there are some pagan groups that just say do as thou will not adding though it harm none. Mm. Um I think there is great strength in the children of this community because they are raised with ethics. Um, You know, in a lot of one of the one of the things I see, uh, at least as far as an advantage with religious school for kids, they do get ethics and a a moral code if they're going to religious school, but not in a public high school or a public uh, elementary school. Uh, Usually, people's first course in ethics is when they're in college. In um, here, in this community, good pagan parents are spoon-feeding their children uh, the principles of ethics. I think that's very strong. Um, we're very supportive of our artists, um, you know, and, you know, writers and, and teachers. There, there is a wonderful sense of community that goes on in a lot of areas, but there's still more work that has to be done. Um, But I think one of the things that I find, also in the pagan community, is creative solutions to problems. Um, You know, I've watched some pretty amazing things, everything from erecting a stage that we needed for one of the festivals I was at. uh, You know, and basically doing it out of nothing. Um, you know you get a bunch of magicians together and you know they can weave beds out of grass I mean I'm sure that it's done somewhere but you know there is and when we gather for festivals it really is a beautiful expression of community people feed each other you know look after each other and you know you're creating a couple weeks of heaven you know over the period of a year Um, I I think that the, ins- the com- community is very inspiring. Magic is very inspiring, um, especially for artists, musicians, dancers. Uh, in paganism, I think there is the creativity that uh, early Christianity lost. You know, you, you look at Rome and, and uh, not the Vatican necessarily, but some of these older churches, and you can see, there's a collect a collective of all these different artists. Um, you see that within the pagan community. I mean, although Alex and Allison Gray are definitely more New Age um, Christians in their philosophy, uh, you do have Cosm where there you know are these these works of art that cover many different religions. So, I think that. Uh, I guess dinner's on
0: <laughs>
1: but um, you know I, I I guess what I was saying earlier about you know more people taking positions of leadership within the community to get things done I would love to see more pagan community centers you know I really would and I along the lines of the good things I see people with the talent and the ability to put these things together and uh, you know it's It really is a a microcosm of a lot of different disciplines and talents, etc., where these things could get done. So I think, you know, the short answer is it's very inspiring. Uh, I think, you know, you'll find with most pagans, especially with pagan children, that they have a good ethical bearing. Um, You know, and... uh, there is this, this sense of, of giving to others um, within the community. And it's, it's wonderful. I mean, you go to one of our potlucks or something, and, you know, you, very seldom are you going to get somebody that just shows up with a bag of stale Fritos, like some wasp from Connecticut. So I'm sorry, but I've been to enough, you know, potlucks in Connecticut to tell you, you're lucky if you get a stale crust of bread and a glass of stale water, you know? Uh, or somebody will, will be very creative and they'll get that uh, cheesy whiz stuff with, with some uh, scoop bucket tostados or, you know, whatever. But people take time and they put care into what they do, you know, and well, that's really it. Um, you know, it has, it has its shortcomings like any other community, its problems, some that are specifically unique to, you know, the pagan world. Um, a lot of that centers around polyamory. Some people do it well, some don't do it well. And what happens when it isn't done well is the, the drama echo starts to go, and uh, that can be that can be a little overbearing at times. Mm, mm. You know, I think I am just going to stop letting people come to me for advice on sex, though. It's kind of unfair. I haven't had it in two years and I just don't want to listen to somebody whining to me because they haven't gotten it in two weeks. (laughs) You know, My recent breakup, and I'm like, so what's the problem? Well, I just miss getting laid, and I'm like, I'm really the wrong person to be sympathetic to this right now. (laughs) But that's something else, too. Uh, Society... Has all of these specialties. You know, you go to college for four or five years. And there is one other thing that I will mention that is very good about the pagan community. There is a self reliance on self education along the lines of Abraham Lincoln, um, you know, the, and Thomas Jefferson, studying, you know, learning about things and doing things for yourself, you know, rather than go out and, um, you know, some psychologists you don't bother doing a criminal background check on. You know, I, I say the impartial jest anyway, but at least within this community, for example, you have a contractor come over, you know who you're getting. Um, and that is one of the really wonderful benefits of uh, the tribal community that, that neo-paganism has within it. Um, you know, we, we do support each other, we do look after each other um and it's that is a really wonderful thing Mm -hmm. um you get people outside that talk about it as some utopian out of reach ideal but it's not it's very much within reach
0: yeah i've been living in it all week yeah you know And, and more outside but here at the festival you really just see it all right in your face every everything you just talked about is right here
1: yeah it's it's beautiful i remember one night when we were getting ready to do a ritual and i asked you if you had there were a certain type of incense that i was looking for and um, some magical implants implements and it, it was so funny you were like we, we were going someplace i don't remember what, where it was but we needed a couple of things and you just looked at me, and you're like, "I'm a witch, of course, I've got all that stuff, <laughs> you know." But uh, it was—it was just that was really funny. I've never forgotten that. Oh. So.
0: Well, I've—I've I've enjoyed having you as a friend, and I, uh, I admire all the work that you do uh, for the community, and um, am enjoying also getting to know how you're easing into. Uh, a new phase in your life uh, and a new role uh, as as the people as we, as we begin to find more and more people who are so much younger than we are I mean the generations don't stop they just keep on coming you know and we find ourselves becoming the elders eventually it's, you know
1: I, I find that the most fulfilling aspect of my role uh, working with the kids you know and it's um I do get emotional uh, about it sometimes. I mean, I celebrate their victories and I share uh, the pain that they go through. Uh, But at the same time, there's a lot of hope in the children of this community. And uh, the reason that I started teaching and doing workshops was I started looking at myself and I'm like, honey, you're not getting any younger and you've acquired all this knowledge and some people just don't have to, you know, the patience to read your long-winded Facebook postings. <laughs> so I, you know, have started teaching on a, a number of different things. My integrated shaman workshop is quite popular, um, and and I humor is not only encouraged for that; it's mandatory. Um, you know, I'm not the type of shaman with a stick up my butt and no sense of humor. Um, and unfortunately, there are some people that somehow have taken this, this concept that laughter is, is a bad thing within shamanic ritual. And I see it as a reflection of, you know, everything that we're working with in, in conjunction with other things. But, um, you know, it, with the kids, I mean, they come in and I open up the last part of it to discussion. And if people aren't talking, I have my magic hat that I carry with me. And there are little pieces of paper in there with different things on it. Um, and I might put in to, to break tension and, you know, to cause a little humor. If uh, somebody pulls an astrology sign out of there, I'll tell them the bad shit about that sign. <laughs> you know, instead of the good. And I might put, you know, something silly in there like singing somewhere over the rainbow. But usually... Um, What the cards have on them are different quotes uh, from, you know, Ascended Masters, from Pagan writers. Um, They are terms used in shamanism. It could be any number of things. I did have a rhythm calendar in one of the hats. And for those who don't know, it is an ovarian slide rule. It doesn't work. My mother used one. The Catholic Church used to send them to women, telling them the best time to avoid getting pregnant. My mother used one on December twenty-fifth, 1959, the day I was conceived. Didn't work. So I will throw things in there also to encourage discussion, like the Cupid amulet, you know. It gives people a chance to talk about aspects of love and problems that they've had, etc. So there's just a lot of uh, things that, that I've had to get creative about. But I love doing the workshops. I love teaching. And I love the fact that I have a lot of young people in my life that, you know, are not just interested in listening to what I have to say, but sharing their experiences as well. It keeps things very fresh.
0: What would you say to uh a a lot of the listeners that I have um that are very young. I, by young I mean they're they're in their teens usually and a lot of them are in bible belt situations and they feel very isolated or oppressed. What what would you say to them?
1: You know, it's uh, that is a real tough one and what happens in communities like that? is you have basically cells, of kids getting together and really hunkering down, um, you know, together in like one or the other home. Um, my advice is whenever possible, get out, go to festivals, gatherings, um, do the work study, you know, that they offer. A lot of festivals, you don't have to pay your way in if you work four hours a day. And this gives you a chance to be with other like-minded and like-souled people. It's very important. Uh, I know I've had points in my life where I felt tremendously isolated, one of the reasons I left the South. Um, you know, it's really hard, but the, the important thing is to build up a network of people that you can communicate with and share ideas. Um, if you can get Skype, get Skype if you, you know, have Facebook and you you network with other people that, you know are exploring the same path that you might be on, but um, also, you know don't feel, don't let people walk on you, you know it's, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with you telling somebody if they start to poke you that it's really none of their business um you know, and and there's way too much of it going on. I mean, you do not want to be Christian dude Bible thumper sitting next to me on the bus talking to me about Jesus. But the thing is, I'm older. And, uh, you know, a lot, I've, I've witnessed it where people just get, you know, nasty with, with kids. And they'll start talking about hellfire, damnation, etc. Um Community is very, it's more important for people who live in isolation like that. So basically the best thing to do is get it where you can. Um, I do recommend, now some Unitarian churches are all different, but a lot of them are very pagan friendly. And sometimes that is a good gathering place. However... (laughs) I experienced one Unitarian church in Kentucky and one in Virginia, and it was scary because it was not at all like the one I had gone to in Boston. Uh, You know, but the thing about them is a lot of times they'll have, uh, you know, studies, uh, study groups on on different subjects, and sometimes it's the esoteric. Uh, You have Swedenborg, which is another one. Um, there are a number of universalist organizations and they tend to be more pagan friendly than any of the other churches so
0: all right well thanks used for uh, joining us on eat my pagan ass I was wondering if you could uh, sing us out with an overtone thing that you might do at the See my throat's doing at the roundhouse
1: Um, I am not going to be able to do it I was, no. I was singing a lot last <laughs> All night All last night <laughs> No, you can't do it
0: Alright But
1: That's... some other time How about a poem? Do you have one? Sure This one is my signature piece um, I wrote it on my deathbed 11 years ago After I got a flu shot It's called Attila's Theme I am man, hear me roar Leave ya hang-ups at the door Born of woman, fired in life baby with me don't be uptight I've drunk like a Viking partied like a hun with the soul of Attila this journey is far from done been with women a lot of men it's not the body but the soul within crack the whip seize the day I know of no other way sing a song dance a dance give this life its best chance we were born one day we will die we will live and tell a few lies love others before they love you to thine own self and the gods be true I'm the fairy king and I love all of you thank you
2: Talk, to- trusty Steve. Let me tell you I'm usually face down on the ground whenever there's a
0: stampede. Yeah,
2: I'm no heroine. At least not last time I checked. I'm too easy to roll of I sit a wreck. I just write about what I should have done. I sing what I wish I could say, and I hope somewhere some woman hears my music and it helps her through her day. <laughs> business turns a profit Every time I lay my money down Some guy designed this room I'm standing A lot of ones built with their own tools Who says I like great angles These are not my laws, these are not my rules Yeah, the half of the race. I don't fool myself like I fooled you. I don't have the power. You know we just don't run this place. <laughs>
0: You for listening to eat my pagan ass i am lucky licious you can find us online at eatmypaganass.com or you can email me at eatmypaganass at gmail.com bye hookers